Welcome to Stonebridge Online. Just before we start the service, here are some announcements and things to know. During this time of worshiping online, it's important to continue contributing to the ongoing ministry of Stonebridge. Here are the ways in which you can give. You can give online through our website at stonebridgecme.com, click on online giving. You can give through your bank's bill pay option, or you can give by mail. If you'd like business reply offering envelopes sent to you, please contact the church office. This weekend, Pastor Neil's continuing part two of his message series on the Gospel of Mark called All Things New. This is the last weekend to sign up to be a part of a growth group, prayer group, or an at-home worship group. Experience your own spiritual blessing by joining one of these groups either in person or by Zoom. To sign up or learn more, contact Barbara Waite. Weather permitting, we will have an outdoor service on Saturday, September 26th at 5.30. Join us for worship, a message, and some fellowship, six feet apart, of course. Spaces are limited and pre-registration is required, so check your newsletter or visit our website for more information. Stonebridge is partnering with Vitalin, formerly known as United Blood Services, for two blood drives coming this October. There's a real need for blood donations and you can be a part of the solution. To make an appointment, please call the number or visit the website on the screen. There are great things happening in the life of Stonebridge. The pastor nominating committee has been working hard to find our next senior pastor head of staff, and the committee is excited to announce their nomination soon. Please make a special effort to attend online worship on the weekend of October 3rd and 4th, where you'll hear the nominee's candidating sermon. Then on Sunday, October 4th at 11 a.m., we'll have a congregational meeting over Zoom to officially extend the call to our church's next senior pastor and approve the terms of call. We would love to know that you're participating in worship. Continue to share your news, prayers, and praises by emailing prayers at stonebridgecme.com. Or if you're following along in version, please take the time to fill out the e-connection card. You are an important part of Stonebridge's community of faith. Once again, welcome to worship. Hello and welcome to Stonebridge's online worship. I'm Associate Pastor Jonathan Lucia. Today's call to worship is an adaptation from Proverbs chapter 1, verses 2 through 7. The foolish despise wisdom and despise discipline. However, it's the fear of the Lord that is the beginning of knowledge. It's the fear of the Lord that is the beginning of attaining wisdom and instruction and for understanding words of insight. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. Let the discerning get guidance for understanding. The whole of God's word is for us today. Let us worship God. Again, welcome to worship. Begins and ends in the dust you form 
of sadness from wherever you've been come broken hearted let rescue begin come find your mercy oh sitter come near cause earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal
Hello, Stonebridge. Hey, this week we're looking at Mark chapter 9, and it's a fairly long text, so I want to encourage you as you listen to listen for a word or a phrase that jumps out at you, that stands out and catches your attention. And in just a little bit, I will talk about how we can prepare ourselves for the amazing things God has in store for us. All right, uh, let's get started. Hi, Stonebridge. Today's scripture reading comes to us from Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 29. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about? He asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son, who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this kind can come out of only by prayer. Hello, Stonebridge. Hey, I have got a new Netflix show for you to binge watch. Uh, but just before I tell you about that, I, I just want to tell you I've got a new pointer I'm using uh, to scroll my screen so you don't have to watch me flip it. We'll, we'll see how it works. Uh, so Bear Grylls is the host of a show called The World's Toughest Race. Oh my gosh, it is a grueling 11-day, over 400-mile race, adventure race in Fiji. And uh, there are five legs. And just to tell you how tough this really is, uh, leg one is kind of the, the warm-up. And uh, so they have two days to uh, do leg one, and it's a 40-mile paddle uh, of a canoe across open ocean water to an island, and then hiking around a volcano on that island, and then 
paddling back those 40 miles back to the mainland. Whew. And then they just have to paddle upstream 18 miles on paddle boards. And then it's just a quick uh, 35 miles of mountain biking uh, before they cross the checkpoint of leg one. Oh my gosh. Uh, well, there's a lesson that we can learn from the world's toughest race that directly relates to us and to the uh, disciples that are in our story in Mark chapter 9. This is one of those lessons that's an obvious statement that maybe it's so obvious it's genius. We'll see. It's this. Important accomplishments require preparation. When it comes to the world's toughest race, well, that's obvious. Only 66 teams qualified out of a thousand who applied. And those 66 had to be certified as trained in climbing and navigation and first aid, not to mention all those other things we mentioned. And after all of that, 22 teams dropped out, never crossed the finish line. The major accomplishment of just crossing the finish line required enormous preparation. And we understand uh, needing to prepare for a race like that. But what about casting out an evil spirit? Would you, would you have thought that healing a person or casting out an evil spirit would take preparation? Whatever it takes to do, the disciples were not prepared. Because when the father brought his son to the disciples and they had to do something, they couldn't do it. When Jesus arrives, the father, asks, uh, the, the father says, I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. It turns out that just like running a major race takes preparation, so do important spiritual accomplishments. We find this out in the last sentence of our text. Verse 29, Jesus replied, This kind can be cast out only by prayer. Earlier, when you heard the story read, did any particular phrase or comment stand out for you? There are some powerful and encouraging comments made. But one that is often overlooked is this last one about prayer. Jesus says this kind of challenge can only be met with preparation. The disciples were not prepared for healing or casting out spirits. The disciples and we are like the racers in this regard. Major accomplishments, in our case, spiritual accomplishments, require preparation. Now, uh, many of you uh, have Bibles that have a footnote at the end of this verse, and it says something like this, some, manu uh, some manuscripts include and fasting. So Jesus would have actually said, this kind of spirit can be cast out only by prayer and fasting. Now, whether Jesus said prayer and fasting or just prayer, take a moment and either look back in the text if you've got it there in front of you, or remember back to when you heard it read just a little while ago, do you see or remember any place in the story where Jesus either prayed or fasted? The answer is no. At no point did Jesus do the very thing he said was necessary to achieve the major accomplishment. This kind can only come out with prayer and fasting. Well, what does that mean? 
that he didn't pray when he said, you have to pray. Well, think about it for a minute. You tell me. If Jesus says prayer is necessary to accomplish something, and he accomplishes it, but he doesn't pray, when must he have prayed? It must have been before the situation happened. Preparing before we have to do something is just the way things work in the world and in God's kingdom. No one could prepare for the world's toughest race by, you know, stretching and doing push-ups. On the day of the race, when would they have had to do those things? And many others. Way before race day. Maybe for months, even years before race day. What's the chance of anyone being successful at crossing the finish line without preparation? Of course, it's zero chance. The disciples had exactly the same amount of chance of success in this story. They tried to do what Jesus said, and they couldn't do it. You and I seldom, if ever, have situations anywhere close to the situation the disciples found themselves in, but we have our own situations. We have to prepare ahead of time. We can't just expect ourselves to do what Jesus would do when we're put on the spot. Uh, so I have two things we can do to prepare ourselves for the significant moments in life so that we can accomplish them the way we want and in a way that glorifies God. And the first one is this. Decide ahead of time what you're going to do. My high school youth director always uh, used to tell us teens with our strong drives and emotions, decide ahead of time what you will or won't do in a given situation. Decide when you're at home and can make a good mental and emotional and a spiritual decision before you're on a date in a high-stress, high-temptation situation. It was good advice for me as a student, and it's just as good for me today. Decide ahead of time or what, what you're going to do. And the second way we can prepare before big things happen is to pray about and read Scripture related to your particular situation. If you know you're going to face a challenge, pray about that challenge. Google scripture verses about that challenge. Focus your preparation on that challenge. Let me share with you a very personal example. I have been incredibly blessed to be with people as they or their loved ones face their final days. Whatever comfort or hope I have given has not just because I had some gut reaction or just said, well, let, let's let the Spirit lead. I instead was prepared. I prayed for wisdom and grace in that kind of situation. I read and meditated on scriptures related to hope and security and trust and God's goodness. I also read articles on what to say and what not to say to patients and their families. I'm very grateful that years ago I followed my own advice and came prepared when I had a particularly challenging family situation at a hospital. I had an appointment to meet with this family who had a loved one who was very ill. The doctor had called the family members and said to come and say goodbye. I was asked to meet with them and stay with them as they visited their loved one. How helpful or loving do you think I would have been and been able to be if after I got the call and I was walking in from the parking lot, if I uh, had asked Siri or Google Assistant 
to find what to say to grieving family members. Not very helpful or comforting, I'm sure. But for months, I had prayed and studied scripture and studied theology in order to be ready when a call like that came in. I also searched what experts in grief and family dynamics recommend. And I had decided ahead of time what I was going to do. I decided that to the best of my ability, I would not allow my embarrassment or discomfort or fear of doing something wrong hinder me from engaging family members in the most gracious and loving ways possible. So when I arrived, there was a stern and emotionless father who didn't make eye contact with me and a polite and appropriate mother that said all the right things. Thanks for coming. We're so sorry to inconvenience you. Things like that. And a brother in a very nice business suit who shook my hand professionally and acted professionally. And a sister, probably in her 40s, wearing bright colors, who was clearly the extrovert of the family. She greeted me enthusiastically and I could read in her body language and the body of uh, language of the others uh, that they, those others were thinking, oh, here we go again. You know, this outgoing sister uh, is going to try to talk to everybody she meets. But to me, she radiated a need for deeper human connection, the way a thirsty person desperately seeks a drink of water. Yet none of her family members were present enough to emotionally give her any reaction or response. Dad ignored her. Mom tried to shush her. Oh, honey, now this man is only here to take us in to see so-and-so. Her brother turned his back on her and took a phone call. This woman stood in the middle of the waiting room, almost to me seeming like gasping for air dabbing her eyes, practically shaking with pent-up emotions that she needed to express. I asked her, would you like a hug? She came into my arms tentatively and, you know, patted me politely the way we do. But she didn't pull away. And I simply wrapped my arms around her and placed my hands on her back. And when she didn't move away, I heard her begin to sniffle, and I gently rested one of my hands on the back of her head, the way we sometimes do with a child when we're trying to comfort them. When I did that, she began to sob, big, raking cries that made her take deep breaths and gasp. Her mother shifted in her chair uncomfortably. Her father looked at the floor. Her brother stayed on the phone. I didn't move. And I didn't make any eye contact with the three of them. There was just this woman and me. Let me ask you a question. How long is a hug before it feels a little uncomfortable? A few seconds? Uh, this dear lady cried on my shoulder for at least 30 seconds, and I held her. You see, I had decided ahead of time one of the things I would do and hospital settings, when I hugged someone, I would not pull away. Turns out that experts say to leave a person in their place of grief and emotion. When someone's in a group and begins to cry or move to meaningful silence, don't clear your throat or say something or even touch them in a comforting way. 
because they have given themselves over to a sacred moment, and they are in a deep place. And any action or sound coming from us is heard as a request to come back out of that place. We're uncomfortable with your emotions. So we do something that snaps them out of it. And clearly, this family had been doing that to this woman, and she needed a human being to let her go to that deep place. A minute went by, and her cries became sniffles. But she didn't pull away, and I didn't move. I didn't increase or decrease pressure with my hands. I didn't say anything. She buried her head in my shoulder, and we stood there for about three minutes without moving. It was an eternity. You could see the tension in her family members increasing for about the first two minutes. Then even they realized and felt the power and importance of that moment for her. Afterwards, it was clear that they wished they could have been in that place for their daughter, their sister. But they'd not been prepared for that moment. They were not ready. After those three minutes, she lifted her head and slowly pulled away and whispered, Thank you. Her head was down. She was reaching into her purse for Kleenex. Then something wonderful happened. Her mother stood and came to her and hugged her. And then her dad came over and her brother. And it seemed to me in that moment that Jesus must have joined them as well. And they could visit their loved one without any of their anxiety or politeness or business standing in the way. But I'll tell you, there were some nervous moments there for me. It was definitely awkward to hug someone for over three minutes in a public place with people, with people walking by. And I'll be honest, I was nervous. While I stood there with her, I almost prayed, Lord, if you can help this woman, please do. Just like the text uh, that the father, just like the, what the father said in the text, he blurted out. Uh, and I think I would have heard the same response Jesus gave him. What do you mean, if I can? Jesus asks. Anything is possible if a person believes. I love to imagine how this moment played out in the text. Can't you just see Jesus doing a double take when he said, if I can? I can imagine him going full Robert De Niro on the father. If I can? Are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? What do you mean, if I can? You don't think I can? Well, anyway, I can imagine something like that happening because we immediately read uh, right after that, the father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. And that, I think, is one of the most honest, most helpful prayers in Scripture. And we can use it over and over. I do believe. Help me with the part of me that still holds back, still isn't sure. It's the prayer of a person not yet prepared for all God has for them. I don't think any of us are going to apply for the toughest race in the world. But all of us can make the effort, can do the work, to prepare ourselves for the great accomplishments God has for us, like hugging those who need it. I'll be honest, I've not got the ability to heal people or cast out evil spirits or do a hundred other things 
that Jesus could do, and probably even his disciples were eventually able to do. But I know that you and I can prepare ourselves to accomplish important things in this life so that others won't have to say, I asked your followers to do this, but they couldn't. Instead, they will say of us, I asked your disciples to do this one thing, this act of love that stretched them beyond their comfort zone, that seemed maybe even to embarrass them, that others were too emotionally distant or judgmental or focused on themselves to do, and your disciples did it. And we can, if we'll be prepared for whatever wonderful things God has in store for us. Amen.
Hi, Stonebridge. Uh, we wanted to take a moment out of this week's online worship to introduce our newest addition to the church staff, Olivia Mosseri, uh, the, our newest director of Students and Family Ministries. Uh, so welcome, Olivia. Thank you. <laughs> um, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, um, I grew up in San Diego. Um, with my parents and my two younger brothers. I graduated from Point Loma Nazarene University in uh, you know, Point Loma, south of San Diego. Um, and I started volunteering at my church when I was about 16. And that was a Presbyterian church in North County, San Diego. And uh, I worked there for about eight years and I just loved you know, being a part of that. And that kind of led me into um, this season where I am at Fuller Seminary and I'm studying psychology and theology there. What did you graduate from Point Loma uh, with? Ah, uh, yes. Uh, I had a bachelor's in psychology. A bachelor's in psychology and more psychology. More psychology, yeah. Right on. Um, and tell, can you actually tell us a little uh, something about the emphasis in theology at Fuller? Yeah, um, so I'm doing, I'm currently in the, uh, the graduate school of psychology at Fuller, but there, there's a requirement for a master's in theology in addition to the requirements for psychology. And I'm also in the integration lab uh, at Fuller, which is really exciting. And we get to spend a lot of time thinking about how to bring the world of psychology into the world of theology and ministry and bring them together because I, that's really important to me and to a lot of my peers. So, Great. That's awesome. Thank you. Well, give us a fun fact about yourself. Well, um, I guess one of my fun facts is that I used to study music, and I am a classically trained soprano singer. Classically? Mm-hmm, like opera. <laughs> okay, I was thinking classic rock, so I'm glad you said oh, that. Oh, that would be really cool. But... And can you play instruments? Yeah, I've uh, played piano since I was about four years old, so it's been a while, and I dabbled in guitar and things like that, but piano is kind of my mainstay. Wonderful. Um, and what are you looking forward to in ministry at Stonebridge? You know, I'm really looking forward to getting to know students and their families, um, coming alongside them in their faith journeys, and building them up as the future of the church, because that's what they are. Great. Well, this has been, you know, a minute with, our, with Olivia, and uh, we welcome you to Stonebridge, and it's a, a, a challenging time to come on to staff and start ministry, but um, we're, we're glad you're here and we know you're up to the task and we look forward to you working with our students and families. Thanks for taking time out. Of course. Thank you for worshiping online with Stonebridge Community Church. And now receive the closing blessing. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may, with one voice, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Go in peace.